Alright folks, welcome back to this next installment of the Sports Rap Podcast. In this installment, we are going to break down the most impressive points of The Last Dance, Episodes 5 and 6. Alright folks, I'm back. It's your boy. Facebook Live Sports Rap Radio Show is the group page where we are. And right now, we are going to divulge into episodes five and six of The Last Dance, which aired last night. Uh, we are, like we said, up to episodes five and six, so it's t- full full ten episodes. So we got two more weeks. Uh, next week will be episodes seven and eight, and then they will close out the following week with Excuse me, episodes 9 and 10. So, I, like a lot of others, Littell, what's going on? I, like a lot of other people, uh, true basketball fans, have enjoyed what I've encountered so far. Uh, A lot of good points, and I think it's a fun thing, because we don't have any live sports, and this is a great documentary, documentary on one of the greatest players, if not the greatest players, to ever play the game. And the way it gets broken down is very interesting. And like I said, I mentioned when it all started after um, the first episodes that I like the things that they intricate, that they have uh, put into, put in play in this whole documentary. Like I said, they have trivia um, when they go on commercial breaks and things of that nature. They also have um, Who Knew. So it's some history and stuff going on in there. Ivan. I have a Mighty Mouse Robinson, my friend. What's going on? Glad you tuned in right now. So it, it's a lot that um, is going on in it. So you're getting entertained. Um, you are getting some of the inside. Hey, Dana. Uh, you are getting some of the little intricate parts of that last run, that the season of that last championship. You're getting behind-the-scenes stuff. You're getting untold stuff. So you're getting entertained. You're getting educated. And, you know, you're actually learning some things. Like I said, educated. You're learning some things from it. So uh, some of the key points of yesterday's airings, uh, they mentioned, they talked about his uh, all-star game with Kobe Bryant. And I'm going to get into that because that's the first thing I want to get into. Um, There was also a tribute to Kobe Bryant at the beginning of this episode. Uh, They get into talking about Tony Kukoc and how all of that played out and the Dream Team and Michael Jordan's uh, duel with Clyde Drexler. So let's get into it and get started. And like I said, the first point that we're going to talk is MJ versus Kobe. So... You know, um, well, you probably didn't know, but you saw it, um, that you see in the in the uh, documentary that this is, you know, a lot of time interviewers or media are asking Mike, is this his last season? Is he coming back next year? Yada, yada. So he also talks about it. Certain times, at one point when he uh, goes into the garden to play, his, could possibly be his last game in the garden, and he wears his first Air Jordans which were the first shoes that he wore to play in in the garden. But this 
thing with Kobe, um, they kind of centered it around the All-Star game. And it's from the All-Star game in 98. Hey, Miss Joe. Hi, Joe. How you doing? Glad you are watching and tuned in. So, it starts out with the locker room scene. And, you know, in the East locker room, um, it says that Jordan is just buddying it up, chatting it up with the likes of Tim Hardaway, Reggie Miller. And, you know, he kind of mentions um, how he's heard or he's aware that Kobe Bryant uh, wants to take the game rather than have it go to him on his possible last uh, All-Star game, last All-Star appearance. So it gets to the point that the game starts and everything, and it gets into a timeout, timeout. And Jordan, of all people, says to his teammates that he was going to make Kobe work. And, and, and indeed he did. He um, ultimately won the All-Star game MVP with 23 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds, and 3 steals. Teenage Kobe had 18 points in the losing effort. Um, later on in the documentary, Kobe is quoted as saying, and I quote, what you get from me is from him, end quote, is what Kobe said. Um, their relationship became to be a brotherly one. Uh, Jordan was willing to move, to impart his wisdom and moves on Kobe. So this is one of the things that I mentioned a lot, or I mentioned a lot when we talked about Kobe in the past, and we talked about a lot of talk about LeBron and things of that nature. Um, you see, and I actually have the picture from this All-Star game, or from an All-Star game where, and I know the story behind it, that's why I love the picture. And I got It's the picture of Kobe Bryant kneeling next to, not kneeling, but standing next to Michael Jordan, someone shooting a free throw in one of the All-Star games. And they're literally chatting up, and he's asking him about his post-up move that Kobe actually um mastered as well so again when you when kobe said what you see from me is from him and kobe also it's also been put out and i've seen it this morning kobe said what he got from him lebron said what he got is from kobe but ultimately where did all of it come from so there you have it now a lot of the things out of the ways that kobe plays have a lot of resemblance to what you've heard about Jordan uh, so far and his competitive nature. Uh, let's take, for example, before we even get to that part, the Dream Team. We all know about the scrimmage and we all know about the Dream Team because we saw the movie, we saw the documentary on the Dream Team, but we all know. And, and one of the things that is reiterated by several people, and Will Perdue is one who was on that 98 championship team and one of the things he said that was also stated early back in 92 with the dream team was the fact that once you tell Michael Jordan that he can't do something then you're in trouble so with that um, I think the respect um, for Kobe came very easily and the adoption of him as a brother was very easy because it was genuine, and Kobe, um, I guess, proved to show to MJ that he wanted to be great. So he would pick what he thought was the greatest. He would pick his brain. And, I mean, what better way to help yourself along or become great besides talking to one of the greats? 
um, you get firsthand information and you know if you are respectful as we saw with them too the feedback that you get is genuine you know and also respectful in its own right so the brotherhood uh of kobe and mike is was long-standing uh and again r.i.p to kobe who's no longer with us but just touching on it when they had kobe's memorial um of course a lot of the guys are are going to come to tears a lot of people are going to be emotional but when you listened to michael jordan talk you could tell you could see it in his facial expressions you can hear it in his voice that he was going to miss kobe and you could hear that their friendship and their brotherhood was genuine and mutually uh respectful now we move on to, and again, I talked about this, Laura, just now we talked about, I mentioned it earlier, the NCAA, and we talk about the sneaker thing. Uh, Nike versus Adidas. Ultimately, we know what happened with Mike and Nike. We still see it today. But way back when, uh, Mike said that he liked Adidas. He wore Adidas in college. Uh, when he hired his agent, his first agent, David Falk, David Falk took him to sneaker company. He didn't really want to go, yada, yada, yada. And he decided to take him to Nike. Again, um, he didn't want to go, but David Falk had to um, go the back route. He went and talked to his mom and dad, and he said that mom told him, if, even if you don't like it, I don't care, you're going to go. He ultimately went. Um, as a rookie, uh, he was offered a rookie deal for his shoes, 250000 which at the time was unheard of. Um, at the time, his agent, David Falk, said the goal was $3 million in sales by the end of the fourth year. The company moved $126 million worth of Air Jordans in the first year of the deal so again i am a jordan fanatic um i have a few pair and like i said they're still going on still going strong right now as we speak um as ironically they just released a pair a retro pair on saturday the retro fives and they released the originals um as you know recently they've been changing and they've just been putting the jump man on the nike airs jordans whatever these are the originals, the OG Fire Red, as they call them. And they have, the, like, the ones that I initially had, the Nike Air on the back. Um, and at that point, that was the inception of the Air Pocket. And hence, David Falk came up with the name. We'll call him the Air Jordan. And hence, we know everything else is history because they are still selling and still going through what they are doing today. Alrighty, moving along, we move into the dual or the tiff, if you will, uh, for lack of a better word, between Michael Jordan and Clyde Drexler. So at this time, they're in the finals, and there was a lot of comparisons uh, between Mike and Clyde. 
Clyde was the elder statesman and Mike was the incoming um, player. But, of course, this fueled Mike's fire again. Um, people are saying that, Jackie Bridges, thanks for tuning back in. You know, people were telling him things that Drexler was this and Drexler was that, yada, yada, yada. Um, people were telling him that Drexler was a threat. You know, he said at Portland, but um, him being compared to him, Mike took offense to that. As we know, as we are starting to see the true Mike, we know now, and he mentions it, that he took offense to that. So they talked about the stars, and at the time, and, and Magic Johnson even spoke of this in the documentary. At the time, Magic Johnson was actually working for NBC Sports. There was the game, game one, which was the shrub game. You know, he has set the record for most three-pointers and a half. And what Magic Johnson said was, Michael Jordan told him prior to that game that he was going to give him the business. And that's exactly uh, what he did. Um, and every time he scored on Drexler, Magic said he would glance over at him at the table. And let him know, pretty much, I told you what I was going to do, and I'm doing it. So you seeing it firsthand. Um, you know, um, Jordan finished that game with 39 points and 11 assists. And for that series, he averaged 35.8 points on the way to his second finals MVP. Uh, at the time, when they started this comparison, they were giving talk of this comparison MJ led the lead in box plus minus that season at 9.7. He averaged 30 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, and 0.9 blocks. Drexler was third in plus minus box points at 8.7. His averages were 25 points, 6.6 rebounds, 6.7 assists, 1.8 steals, and 0.9 blocks as well. But we saw what happened in that finals, and we saw how that played out. Uh, the Dream Team, moving along in 92. We all know the situation with Michael Jordan, the Pistons, the Bad Boys, and Isaiah Thomas. So we're not going to really um, harp or talk about that. One of the things um, I want to get right into is the fact that during this time, uh, Jerry Krause was, as Michael said, in love, almost obsessed with young Tony Kukoc from Croatia. And Tony Kukoc had his part in the documentary um, as well. And they play Croatia as, you know, in the Olympics in 92. And one of the things that was put out, that was said in the locker room, uh, Michael Jordan said to everyone else to leave Tony for him and Scotty. And we already knew that there was a rift. There was not good communication, not good feelings between Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Jerry Krause. So at that point, at every opportunity they had, they were going to stick it to Jerry Krause. And it's what they did. Um, Tony was unexpected, unexpecting of it. He really didn't know what was going on that first time. Uh, but they socked it to him. Um, shut him down pretty much and, and you know it, it kind of 
did something to Jerry Krause, but it made them feel good because they felt like they had stuck it to him. Like, you don't want to, like Mike said, you don't want to, you would put someone in front of your own kids, so to speak. Um, you already have these guys, like you've got Scotty here, and we've already run won championships. Um, you don't want to pay him, but you're getting enamored with this kid from Croatia who may not even be tough enough to come and play. So those were the initial thoughts after that first game, that he might not be tough enough to play in the NBA, yada, yada, yada. Uh, ultimately, those were the two best teams that year in the Olympics, and Tony knew that he would see them again in the finals um, in the gold medal game. Uh, the U.S. ultimately won that game again by a landslide, but Tony had some redemption. He ended up 18 points in that game, and he played a lot better, and he kind of got the respect of uh, Jordan and Pippen, um, where they kind of downplayed the notion that he might be soft and might not be able to play in the NBA. Then we get into, ultimately, Jordan's competitiveness, which I tell you is 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 something, because like we said, um, if you tell him he couldn't do something, he gave you whatever he could and showed you that he was going to do it. So his competitive nature was was very very strong and very high. I mean, there's no need to tell you that the way he came back. Like I always make reference to the first three titles, and then he retired. And then he come then they come back. He comes back halfway through a season. They lose to the Orlando Magic, yada yada yada. And people were like, Oh, he's washed up, this, that, and the third. And then he showed you what you would you do when you talk him to talk about him in that sort of way. He worked full season, they came back and they won three more championships. So there's that. Uh they also talked about his gambling. Um and he kind of downplayed that stating that he liked to gamble. It's a habit. Uh, it's a hobby of his. Um, he, you know, he even mentioned um, when this all came about, he wanted to sit down at some point and finally talk about it. He only wanted to talk to Amar Rashad. He goes to the interview. He has sunglasses on, and Amar kind of makes a little joke about that. He told us what he told us, but, you know, it doesn't really uh, mean much when he's wearing sunglasses in the interview. But one of the things he said was that it was a hobby for him, you know, and he also mentioned that if he had a problem that he would be doing other things that gamblers that have a problem do. He would be selling his rings, uh, selling items, you know, personal stuff, selling his house. He'd be, you know, his kids would be starving, yada, yada, yada. He, he played it all out for you uh, and kind of downplayed his gambling as being a problem, if you will. So that was that. And then... You talk about the three-peat. Um, ultimately, you know, the three-peat that no other team has done one consecutive three-peats. Uh, and the Bulls did it. So they took a year, took two years off where Houston got two titles. And then they came back and won three more. So myself and Baldy always argue and joke around and playfully say, but think about it if he had not retired they could have arguably won eight championships in a row eight in a row highly unheard of except for you know like the boston celtics run or whatever but if you think about that they could have won eight championships in a row eight straight 
for one team, which is nowadays is unheard of. Um, if you pay attention very closely at one point um, when he's uh, giving them the trophy, David Stern, the then commissioner, even mentions one is great, two is almost impossible. And they had won their second one. So for them to win three in a row twice, it gives you um, a perspective of the competitive nature of Michael Jordan and what he instituted into that team. How there was no quitting him and he wasn't going to let his guys quit on him. He, in my opinion, is arguably, arguably, the best two guard in the league, the best player in the league. And I'm taking that, you know, as a notion because I know my history. Um, I know about Wilt and I know about Kareem. So with all this hype, and I say that because there's always been this talk, there's always been this hype about comparing LeBron and MJ. And again, I've got enough of that. I've stopped in that conversation. I I don't even get into those conversations uh, anymore. But, again, in this documentary, you are seeing the true Michael Jordan. You're seeing the true Chicago Bulls team. And you're seeing the true makeup of a champion. And when I say that, I mean everything that you see in this documentary. Even the stuff about Horace Grant um, saying stuff to the media outside of the locker room, yada, yada, yada. This is real stuff that championship caliber teams go through. The beauty of this documentary and the beauty of this particular team and their two three-peats is the fact that there there were rumbles in and out that locker room and all around that team. But somehow, some way, they managed to get it done on the floor and become you know and and put themselves in the conversation as greatest teams ever um for a long time that 72 and 10 until the golden state warriors in this new era that 72 and 10 record was impeccable it was unheard of um they made a statement that year that they were going to win the championship and it was nothing that anybody can do to stop them the same way that when they played Phoenix in the finals and you talk, they talked to Barkley and Barkley said he was confident going into that series. He was, they hung around, but ultimately you know what happened. Jordan and the Bulls took over and won that series as well. So I am looking forward to Sunday, this coming Sunday for episode seven and eight, see what else they are going to give us. And I also like the cliffhangers, again, like they've been leaving um, at the end of episodes. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go from here. And I like the fact that they backtrack, you know, between both three peaks. Excuse me. And like I mentioned, I like the way that they give you the careers, the entire careers of people like they did with Scotty and they did with Mike and the initial. You know, they bring these guys in. They've actually got to talk to these guys. Tony Kukoc made an appearance last night. So it's a it's a well thought out, well put together uh, documentary, and I hope um, you are enjoying it as much as I am. With that being said, 
I will close out today's show. Uh, glad that everyone that tuned in is tuned in. I appreciate the support again. Um, you know where to find me, folks. We are still in this quarantine. So, again, stay safe on purpose. Do what you need to do to keep yourself safe and those around you, your family and loved ones safe as well. It is going to be a beautiful day today. So if you have to go to work, try to give yourself a minute to get outside and get some air. I'm not saying go outside and be foolish, but just go step outside and get you a little bit of air. Spring is coming. Tomorrow is Cinco de Mayo. Again, I'm anxious to see what kind of quarantine parties and things will be going on on social media. So, it's your boy D signing out. Heat 100 Radio, Sports Rap Radio Show for May the 4th, 2020. I will see you all week on social media and next Monday here, live in studio. Got some interesting things uh, coming up next week. I've already started my research and work for next week's show, so I'm ahead of the game. And I got some things that I'm definitely going to get to, so I've now got some time to go through them, get some points. And again, as always, we will have another recap episodes seven and eight of the last dance if you haven't seen it last night you can go on demand espn and watch them it's your boy d signing out i will see you next week on sports rap